<laughs> All right. Well, good morning again, everybody. Glad you guys are with us. Today we are in uh, the kind of church season known as Advent. And Advent is traditionally the time uh, when Christians wait expectantly and they, they sort of celebrate and remember Christ coming to earth the first time, uh, which we celebrate at Christmas, but also we kind of look ahead and prepare uh, and remember that Christ is coming back. And the season of Advent, and this is kind of where we're going with this, but the season of Advent is really a season of waiting. As you read through the Christmas story, and really through all of Scripture, I'm amazed. There's just this theme of waiting again and again and again. But in the Christmas story, and even the prophecies about the history uh, around that time, there's this seeming silence that seems to be coming from God. All of his people have been waiting for him to do something, for him to deliver on his promises. In fact, uh, from the time of the last prophets in Scripture until the birth of Christ is a long time. Any guesses? How long? Remember? 400 years. Is that a long time? Yeah, that's a crazy long time. Well, it's, it's weird, but as you read through the pages of Scripture and as you read through these prophecies, you just kind of look at like this, these uh, Scriptures saying, you know, the Messiah is coming. There's a Savior that's coming. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. But it, it, it kind of just keeps, like, wait for it. Right? Wait. He, he's coming. Just, just wait for 400 years. Well, today we're starting uh, kind of a quick little series, a three-part series called A Season of Waiting. And this whole series is going to address some of those times in our lives when we're praying and hoping and waiting, and, and, and maybe it seems like God isn't showing up, or maybe he's not coming through, or he's not answering in ways that we wanted, want him to. He's not cooperating with what our plans are. And so we're going to be kind of talking about that uh, leading up to uh, Christmas Eve, and then we're going to talk about uh, what happens when God does show up. And so we're going to kind of be talking about some of that stuff. But I wonder, as we talk about this whole idea of waiting, I wonder how many of us uh, feel like we really enjoy waiting. <laughs> I wonder if any of us really enjoy waiting. I was thinking about this again, like, I hate everything about waiting. <laughs> like, like, if you pull up um, to, a, to a stoplight and there's somebody in front of you that is, you know, we'll say accelerator challenged and the light turns green and they just wait there, they're just sitting there, maybe they're on their phones or whatever else. How do you feel about it? How does that make you feel inside? Like, I hate it. Isn't that the worst? You're like, come on, would you? Little, little beep on the horn gets them going. Like, come on, let's, let's go, people. I might not have anywhere to go at all, but I don't like to wait. Like, so you, you end up, you go to the, uh, these days especially, the, uh, the drive-up windows at the bank. And some days, I've, I've made the mistake of going on, like, the 1st or the 15th before. You know, some of those days when people typically get paid or whatever. And, uh, and you pull up, and there's like 10 cars in front of you. One of the, one of the banks that we use as a church, which the, the bank, I should say, that we use as a church, uh, they actually have a police officer in the parking lot directing traffic and cars that are lined all the way back up. I kind of pull up there, and I'm like, it, it's not really worth it to me. <laughs> I did not want to wait uh, that long. And, and I think all of us know it's like you pull up to a gas station and all the pumps are occupied. I don't want to have to wait. It's, I think all of us know what that's like, right? We, we kind of all probably have a, a short uh, uh, span of, of what's acceptable in the waiting game. And some of them are trivial like that, like waiting in line or, or uh, at the bank or, or, or at a stoplight or whatever. But then there's some serious kinds of waiting too, some that, are, that strike a lot deeper, don't they? I mean, there's some, some kinds of waiting. There's the kind of waiting where a, a single person is, is waiting to see if God might actually have somebody for them, right, that, that they could be married to. There's, there's the waiting of, of uh, 
a childless couple who wants nothing more than to conceive and have a child. And every month they're waiting, and every month the answer seems to be no, and so they wait, and they wait, and it's a painful sort of waiting, right? There, there are sometimes when people want to have a, a, a job or work that's meaningful and significant, that matters in their lives, but it doesn't seem to happen, and so they wait, and they wait, or, or there's the waiting of a deeply depressed person that's just hoping that one day they will wake up and there'll be a, a glimmer of joy, a glimmer of hope in their heart, but they do so to no avail because every day they just keep waiting and waiting. There's all kinds of waiting. In, 20, in 2020, all of us to some degree have been faced with a season of waiting, haven't we? Not by choice, but by COVID. We're waiting on, on all kinds of things in our culture and in our world. We're waiting, hopefully, the Lord willing, right, <laughs> for the coronavirus to be annihilated at some point. You're like, come on, would you just think and stop, right? We're waiting for this. So, you know, we're waiting for the development and the disbursement of a vaccination, maybe, and we're hoping that it actually works. Like, man, we're, we're just waiting on this. Some of us are, are waiting to see, are we going to go back to school or back to work after Christmas? My kids have gotten a little bit cynical about this. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure where this is going. Some people, I, we've gotten some prayer requests uh, the last few weeks about businesses, right? Business owners that are waiting to see, can I make payroll? Can I keep my business open this week or this month? They're waiting. So much of this year has been a waiting game. There's a quote I ran across. That was, uh, it's from Louis Smeeds. He says this, he says, uh, waiting is our destiny as Christ followers. As creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we wait in darkness for a flame that we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. He says, waiting is the hardest work of hope. And I'm like, amen, right? I mean, doesn't that, that strike you as true? Waiting is hard work. It's the hardest work of hope. And yet so much of our lives is characterized by waiting these days. But I have to say, it's not, it's not really a new phenomenon. Christ followers and God followers throughout the millennia have been asked to wait on the Lord. And they are asked to wait not days, not weeks, not months, but years and sometimes centuries for the fulfillment of his promises crazy. When we open up and read God's book, we see again and again a God who himself, right, is all-powerful, who holds all power, who can do anything he wants, and yet what he says to his people over and over and over and over seems to be, wait. Wait. Wait for it. Let me give you some examples. Abraham, God appears to Abraham when he's 75 years old and says, you know what, I got some good news for you, right? Some good news, bad news. The good news is that I'm going to make you a father. They were a childless couple. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a child. And in fact, you're going to have so many offspring that there's going to be a nation that comes from you, right? Good news. The bad news is you're going to have to wait an undisclosed amount of time, right? And so how long do you think he has to wait? Years, 24 years. I mean, can you imagine? Until he's 100 years old, pretty much, right? 100 years old before God fulfills that promise. So every month they're going, oh, you know, God said it. It's going to come true. Just, just wait. And so the next month they'll be like, okay, now this, this is the month, right? No. And then years go by. Years go by, right? Decades go by. And finally, in the right time, right, God answers 
and, and does that, but he, his plan all along was for them to wait on him. God told Israel that they would be a nation, that God would lead them out of slavery, out of captivity, that they'd be their own people and that kind of thing. But you're going to have to wait for it. In fact, Babylon took a really long time. Anybody remember how long that take for them to, to be set free from Egypt to come out of 400 years? And then after that, uh, God spoke to Moses and said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have, have you lead the people out of, of slavery and into the promised land. But that, that journey is going to take 40 years of wandering around in the desert. Then came some of the greatest promises of Scripture and, and, and kind of the promises that we tend to focus on this time of year, that the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer was going to come from God. God's people had been waiting for generations, and, and, and he's saying, man, it's, it, it's coming. It's coming. It's going to be so good. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're looking and waiting because the Savior, the Messiah, is going to come. And so there's promises like this. I just a random one that I hit this week that, that uh, I was going to share is Isaiah 61. It's a, it's a prophecy written about Jesus saying this, this, this uh, Messiah is going to come, and this is what he's going to look like. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn. It keeps, keeps going and going. It's a promise that the Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. He will make things right. He will set people free. He'll bring healing and comfort to the brokenhearted. Good news to those who are poor and in need. It's an amazing promise, an amazing prophecy that God was sending someone to rescue the people. This quote, this prophecy is written though 600 years before the birth of Jesus. He's coming. The, the, the prophet says he's coming. Be ready. God seems to say to his people, he's coming. But your job now is to wait on the Lord. Wait for God to fulfill the promise. Like I said earlier, the time from the time of the last prophet to the coming of Jesus, the Savior, the people waited 400 years. And even then, God's people were supposedly waiting for the Messiah to come, but most people missed him when he showed up. I mean, maybe, maybe they moved on to other things. Maybe they were so busy with their own lives and families and jobs to notice, so consumed by day-to-day -day tasks they just weren't aware Maybe they were spending too much time on Facebook, so they just missed it, right? I mean, who knows what was going on? They were told to wait for the Lord, but many grew tired and weary and distracted and missed him. They just, they, they, they just quit, quit looking. Even after Jesus busted into our world, people were still waiting, waiting for him to heal them, waiting for him, them to bring his kingdom, waiting for him to, to make himself known. And even now, we are still waiting in, in so many ways. We live in a season, right, but after his first coming, in which he died for the sins of the world, in which he opened up the kingdom of God, in which he makes a way possible for us to come back into relationship with God, for our sins to be forgiven, for us to end up in heaven one day. We live after that, but before his second coming, when all those things are realized in their fullness. When I was in seminary, they talked about this tension a lot of times, that this, this whole the kingdom of God is being sort of like a, a already but not yet kind of tension, right? Like so, so for instance, as Christ followers, is, is, has death been destroyed for us? And, and as a result of eternal life, 
is, is available to all of us. Is, has that been purchased for us by Christ's coming? Yes. yes. And yet, do we still die? You see, this, like there will be a day when he comes again, when death will be no more. It will fight in all of its fullness. Death will be history. There will be no more pain, no more death, no more mourning. In the same way, Jesus, through his death, his sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection, have we, uh, as Christ followers, are we done with sin, right? Has our sin been paid for? We are set free from sin. Yes. And yet, how many of us would say, oh yeah, I'm completely 100% sin-free, right? Now, the day will come when he returns, when our sins will fully be done away with, right? We will be perfected uh, as we are in the presence of the Holy Lord. I mean, there's all there's this tension that we live in of this already, not yet. And so we, even now, we find ourselves waiting for him to come back. And again, that's what Advent is all about. It's this tension of, of remembering his first coming and his life and death and resurrection. And it's a looking ahead of saying, yes, and he's coming again. And we are to long and wait for that day. Well, the time we've got left, I want to zero in on, on something, uh, kind of a, a, a story uh, that comes. It's part of the... Um, the, the, the Christmas story kind of on the on the far end of it, but it, it's a picture of two people um, that are kind of unlikely uh, unlikely participants in this story. Not anybody that gets a lot of press or anything like that, but two uh, people in the Christmas story that actually have been waiting their whole lives. There's a couple of prophets that, that this happens just on the far end, just after Jesus is born. It's about a, been about a month. It's after the angels have come, it's after the shepherds, it's after all the fanfare and all that stuff. Mary and Joseph take Jesus, their firstborn son, to consecrate him to the Lord and make their sacrifices. And they meet a man and a woman who have been waiting on the Lord their whole lives. Luke 2, starting verse 22, we're just going to read this passage and I'm going to make a few comments. It says this, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present it to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated or offered or devoted to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25, now there was a man in, uh, in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation or maybe the redemption or salvation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's what they've been waiting for, the, the promise to fulfill. So it goes on, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when uh, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the, the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He's saying, as you promised, You've now fulfilled it. You've answered. You, he's basically saying, my wait is over. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, this, uh, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So he's saying, 
right? He's saying, Simeon saying, I've been waiting my whole life, and now my wait is over. The Savior, the Messiah, is before me. And in verse 36, we meet the second character. says this, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, uh, of the tribe of Asher. She was a very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until the age of 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about this child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Okay, I mean, there's a ton of great stuff in there. This passage, like all of God's book, is really uh, about Jesus, right? I mean, he's the main character here, and we can learn a lot about him. I mean, they are, here they are only a month away from uh, his busting into the world, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the King, the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one. And already God is revealing it. Others are recognizing that he is actually the Savior, the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for. It's cool stuff about Jesus that we'll come back to uh, a little bit later. But for a minute, I want us to just focus in on Simeon and Anna, because I just think it's a cool picture. I mean, here they are in a crowded place of worship, this in a city that's bustling with activity. There's hundreds and thousands of people around them, but there's these two recognized what others did not. These two came face to face with Jesus. They came face to face with their Savior. And I found myself wondering this weekend, looking as I was studying and saying, why them? Why did they notice when nobody else did? What did they see? I mean, they had been waiting the same as everybody else, or at least waiting the same length of time as everybody else. So why why did they recognize when no one else did? And I think there's some there's some reasons for that. But it's an amazing picture. I mean, they recognized who Jesus was. They responded with worship and with faith uh, when all kinds of other people, priests included, right? Priests and all kinds of people that were coming to worship and to pray and to give their offerings, they missed it. But these two people, Simeon and Anna, they seemed to be waiting differently than everyone else. And they had the opportunity to actually meet the one in whom they had put their trust, the one in whom they had been waiting for. I think they were truly waiting on the Lord instead of just waiting. Now, the reason that I'm kind of using this kind of language and talking about this is because I think the same thing is kind of happening in our culture, in our world, maybe in our lives right now in our country. I think all of us are in a season of waiting. We don't really have a choice like we talked about. We've been thrown into this season of, of waiting. But how many of us would really say, I think I'm waiting on the Lord. Like I'm, I'm waiting uh, for God to work, for God to fulfill, for God to reveal himself. For the last nine months or so, we've been in a season of waiting. And some of us have been busier than ever, but many of us have had sort of a, a different rhythm, have had some extra time off, some extra time at home, maybe a little slower pace because there's just not a lot of activities happening in the nights or the weekends. Some of us were home for months off of work, and so we had significant amounts of extra time. But let me just ask a rhetorical question for a second. Say, but how did you spend your time? And, and I think our answer to that question answers if we are just waiting or if we're waiting on the Lord. Now, let me just let me just uh, share some stats. This is fascinating this week. The average American, I would say, uh, spent the, the bulk of the extra time in one primary way. 
It's, it, it's screen time. It has to do with their devices. Listen to this. Screen time went up 40% amongst adults. And the U.S. shows an increase of 31% across all ages in the use of screens uh, during COVID-19. In April alone, the amount of time spent streaming, uh, you know, on streaming services, Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever, it doubled in one month, the overall usage. And in fact, in 2020 showed a 71% increase on time spent streaming shows and movies over 2019. How did we use our time? Are we waiting? Or are we waiting on the Lord? At the, at the very same time, how has church attendance been <laughs> over the last nine months, right? The, on average, 50% of regular pre-COVID worship attenders uh, are, are actually still attending now, only 50%. The other 50% are not, and it might be easy to think, you know what, well, the rest are watching online. And can I just say, the stats do not back that up. The stats would say one in three people, one in three Christians, practicing Christians, that were attending worship services regularly pre-COVID are no longer attending services of any kind, online or in person. One out of every three, think of that. One third of, uh, of people that used to be yours. Are we waiting or are we waiting on the Lord? Let me just ask a little more specifically, and again, you don't have to answer, but just answer in your own heart. You're just like, how about for you? Would you say, I mean, again, some of us have had less time and it's crazy, whatever, but especially if you've had a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more time, if you've been working from home, if you've had fewer activities, how many of us would even say, you know what, I think my time with the Lord has increased in this season. I'm spending more time praying, more time in his word than ever before because I've got some extra time. How many of us say, man, I'm spending more time investing in the kingdom of God, more time serving, more time worshiping, more time whatever. Are we waiting or are we waiting on the Lord? You see what I'm saying? And I think we know the answer to that question. I think for many, for many, maybe most of us, we would say, you know what, I think this season has been one of waiting, but I'm not sure I'm, I'm waiting the way God wants me to. When the time we have left, I want to just look in, zero in on a few things that kind of caught my attention from Simeon and Anna, because they were truly waiting on the Lord. They're waiting on the Lord in such a way that their eyes were open, that they were prepared and ready, that when the Savior of the world came, they got to hold him in his in their arms, right? They got to see him face to face. They they were filled with worship as they as they recognized what God was doing in their midst, and their lives were transformed as they went away, rejoicing over what God had done. So I just want to look at what again. How did they learn to wait on the Lord? It's not like rocket science. Uh, you're not. I'm not going to talk about things that you're like. Man, I've never thought of that before. But it's interesting to know that they point it out in these few verses uh, together. So, so here's the main, the main thing that we're going to talk about is they were seeking the Lord daily. They were pursuing God. They were building a relationship with the living God. And let me just show you some of the ways that that happens. In, in verses 30 and 31, this is uh, crazy. But uh, it says, uh, again, this is Simeon talking. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, God which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. That's a quote from Isaiah 52, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. It's a quote from Isaiah 42, 6. Uh, again, both of these are, are, are prophecies. They're, they're passages that are pointing ahead to the coming Messiah. But the thing that struck me is this is a guy that knows the word of God, right? Like he's quoting these on the fly, on the spot. He's quoting Old Testament scriptures, which tells me, how has he been spending his time? He's been reading 
and digging into the word of God. He's getting, he's building his relationship by opening up God's word and reading it. Man, if we want to move from waiting to learning to wait on the Lord, and we'll talk about quickly at the end, we'll talk about some of the perks of that. But if we're going to move in that church, if we have our eyes open to see and know God more, Open up his word. We've got to open up his book and get to know him there. Second one, this all hit this one very quickly. But this is interesting. Simeon, it talks about who is righteous and devout, which tells me he wasn't just reading God's book. He was what? Doing it. He was living it. He was applying it to his life. Again, uh, uh, allowing it to shape him and change him and make him more into the man that he was born to be. He was created to be. If we're going to, rec- if we're going to move from waiting to wait in the Lord. We're going to be, uh, have our eyes opened to the Lord more and more and what he's doing, his plans and purposes. We've got to learn to apply, not just read. Third one, this one is crazy. This is Anna. Worship, prayer, and fasting, right? It says she never left the temple, but she worshiped day and night with fasting and with praying. If you want to come face to face with God, if you want to move from just waiting to waiting on a Lord, have a heart like that, right? I mean, a heart that says, man, I just want to worship God all the time. I want to pray more. I want to be with him and then do it, right? Put that kind of stuff into practice in your life. Pray. Draw near to God night and day. Seek his face. Hit your knees. Spend time talking with him and listening to him. It'll change your life. It'll open your eyes so that one day just... Just maybe you'll be standing face to face with your Savior, right? And you'll get to see what no one else gets to see. You'll get to be a part of a plan that nobody else gets to because you have come to know, not just know about, but to know the living God, the Savior of the world. I mean, I'll tell you, this is a little tangent, but just um, I feel like God's been doing this in me the last couple of months. Uh, share with couple of you about this, but it's it's one of those deals where I feel like the Lord's been waking me up early. And by the way, I am not a morning person. I mean early, like five, four thirty-five, whatever. Which for some of you are like, man, I'm on kind of my coffee break by then. But like for me, like that's super I am not a morning person. I'd much rather stay up late. Usually I have time with the Lord later in the day when I can actually think. But he's been kind of waking me up and I'll sit there in my bed for a little bit in denial. And I, I just have felt like the Lord's been drawing me and just saying, you know, come spend time with me kind of thing. And so I've gotten up. And at that time, we, we've got a, a thermostat that kicks down. It's pretty cold in our house. <laughs> uh, at that time, uh, the heat hasn't kicked up yet. So I'll grab a blanket and I'll, I'll just kind of throw it around me, over me. And I'll just spend some time with the Lord. I'll, I'll take my phone with me and read some scripture to kind of get me going. And then I'll just pray and I'll just listen to him. And I have to say, it has been... Uh, in, a, in an era that has been stressful and has been hard and confusing in which I am completely out of control, <laughs> you know, like in everything, like I, I can't control anything, I've found and discovered peace and I've discovered life in, in uh, increasing ways. It's some of my favorite time. It's to get up. It's the only, we have lots of teenagers in our house and so it's the only time when nobody else is up, right? You know, that's actually quiet and, and, and that kind of stuff and it's a great time to actually hear from the Lord but I just uh, I feel like it's been good for me, but it's good for all of us, right, to get that time when we're praying and we're worshiping and we're pursuing the Lord. It's in those moments that God fills us and God speaks and God transforms where we get to know Him, right, and grow in our relationship with Him. And He strengthens us, opens our eyes to see and know Him more, strengthens us for the tasks and the stuff of the day 
so that we can live in his kingdom. It moves us from just waiting to waiting on the Lord. All right, verse 26 and 27, uh, this is just interesting. This goes to what we've been talking about the last two plus months as we've been going through the book of Acts and we kind of walk through that. But there's three times in the passage that make a point to say Simeon was directed by the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, there's a couple of them in this, uh, these two verses. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, right? You get a sense that this is a living and active relationship with God. It's not just a one-sided, we've talked about this, right? It's not just we're worshiping and remembering some dead guy that lived thousands of years ago that, like, whatever. Like, it, it's not like... It's not like that. It's like, no, he's alive, right? He is living and active. He is still speaking. He is still working. And for those that are that are pursuing and that are in tune with him, right, he, he'll use us. He'll speak. He'll guide. He'll direct. He'll minister. He'll bring his kingdom. He'll, he'll nudge you to proclaim and to share about Jesus and what he's done in your life with those around you. Like he, he's bringing his kingdom, and he does it through ordinary people filled with his spirit. That will go where, where he tells them to go and do what he tells them to do, right? He's living. He's that's the, the picture. He's led. He's keeping in step with the Spirit. He's learned to practice. We've been talking about this, right? Of, of like the, the Spirit will prompt us to step out and to trust him. Do you trust me? Will you follow me? And as we do that, we are, are um, kind of the songs we were singing this morning, right? our perspective increases. Like, well, you've been faithful here and here and here and here and here. I'm going to trust you, even in the season of waiting, even when I can't see it, I'm going to trust that you are faithful still, that you're still going to come through, that you're still going to have your way and accomplish your purposes. It's the good stuff. Now, I have to say, uh, as we're talking about some of these disciplines that are called, right, or, or these practices, uh, I'm not doing this or saying this in a legalistic kind of way. I think sometimes it comes across as though, like, well, you read your Bible every day or you're going to hell. Right? That is not what we're talking about. We are, we are abundantly clear that the only way we, we are forgiven, the only way we come back into relationship with God is by the grace of God, right? By grace through faith. It's, and, and we are banking everything on this. It's based on what Jesus has done, not what, what I do. What I'm talking about is relationship. Right? And relationships always grow with time, don't they? If you want to have a, a better marriage, uh, what, what's it going to take? It's going to take more time, more, more investment, more relationship. You're going to talk, and you're going to listen, and you're going to share, and you're going to serve one another. Like there's, there's all this kind of stuff. It was a, that's relationship. That's what we're talking about here. This is relationship with God. As we learn to open up his book, we hear from him. We learn to hear his voice, and we are transformed. As we pray, we share the things that are on our hearts, and we talk back to God. And then we listen, and we can hear his spirit, right, prompting and moving and reminding us of the, the same things that we have read about in God's word and helping us to apply and empower, empower us to live the way he tells us to live and all this kind of stuff, right? There's, it, 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 it's a relationship that gets built moment by moment, day by day. It's one of those things... The difference, uh, the, the different outcomes from waiting versus waiting on the Lord, it's about this big in the day-to-day, -day, but over a lifetime, over months and years and decades, the outcomes could not be more different because we develop this relationship, this trust, this fullness with the living God. Man, I 
I want us to know the Lord that way. I want us to have hearts like Simeon and Hannah that says, man, we, we are worshiping, we are praying, we are, we are, our minds are, are constantly uh, going over and being consumed by and focusing on the word of God, the truth of God, the promises of God. And we are trust, trusting in him. We've seen him be faithful in the past. We are trusting him to be faithful in the future, even when we're sitting here and we're waiting. And I just think it's so cool. As a result of this relationship they built, as a result of some of these practices, I mean, they got to hold the Savior of the world. Their eyes were open, and they got a front row seat to see and experience God's plan, His kingdom, even the Savior Himself, because they waited on the Lord in these days and weeks and months and years before. And I hear people say all the time, and and uh, whatever, people after church, whatever, people would be like, man, I just needed to be here today. I just needed to worship. Or some people would be like, you know, I just needed time where I could just pray and just sort of drop some of my burdens. Or they'll say, man, I needed to hear that word today. Or they'll say all kinds of things. And I'm like, yeah, because we need that, don't we? I mean, even, even God says in Hebrews, right? He says, he says, don't give up meeting together, church. Don't, don't quit meeting together. He says, in fact, you need to do it even more as you see the end approaching. Does it seem like the end of times is coming? <laughs> it kind of does in some ways, right? It's getting closer and closer and closer. We wait for it. Right? We're waiting. We, don't give up. we need that. We need that corporately where we can worship. We need that corporately where we can pray together, where we can have a relationship and spur one another on and love one another, all that kind of stuff. We need to hear the word corporately, but we also need it privately. Right? When we go into our own little uh, rooms and we shut the door, we put the blanket over our head and we, we call out to our Father who is in heaven, we open up his word and allow him to transform us through it. We are led and we give him permission to lead us throughout our day uh, by his spirit. We need that relationship with God so much. I love verses 28 through 30. It says this, it says, Simeon took Jesus in his arms. He praised God. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have now fulfilled you can dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen our salvation. And I love that. I mean, what's he looking at? He's looking at a baby, right? I mean, but, but he understands that this is more than a baby. This is God come down. This is the Savior, the Messiah, the promised one that he come in. He's like, you know what? This is the one who we are putting all of our hope and trust. He's the one we've been waiting for. And I think Simeon maybe understood here something that we need to understand too. All of the things that we long for in our souls, all of the things that we wait for and we hope for, sometimes it's the wrong things, but I think at their core, all of those things are fulfilled fully in Christ. When we behold Christ, and it's, it's one of those, again, yes, it's true and not yet, both at the same time, it's that tension, but when we really behold Christ, when we really come to know Christ and are filled with him and been transformed by him, uh, we find that he is what we crave, what we need, what we long for, and that for which we have been waiting our whole life. He is the one, more than the stuff that we wanted and the stuff that we waited for, the stuff that we craved. He is the one we need. He is the one that ultimately will fill our souls and satisfy us in every possible way. Simeon gets 
I'm running out of time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift gears here for a second. I'm probably the second week of, uh, of COVID, maybe the third week, something like that. I, I spent a whole week on Isaiah 40, uh, verses 30, uh, 30 and 31. And I'm not going to go back through all of that, but I felt like it's a, it's a great closing verse for today. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to highlight and kind of remind us of some of what I taught on, uh, what, nine months ago or something like that. Just because I think it's, it's great. It has to do with this whole issue of waiting as well. But I want you to see what God does as people move from just waiting and learn to wait on the Lord. So this Isaiah 40, 30, and 31 says this, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, the word hope and the word wait are exactly the same word. Those who wait or hope in the Lord will renew their strength. <laughs> I wonder if any of us could, could use some renewed strength in these days. Anybody feel like that could be at the, oh man. Those who hope in the Lord, who wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk. And not be faint. Sometimes God says, when my people wait on me, wait, and they seek me, and they, and they invest in that relationship with me, sometimes he says, they'll have the opportunity to soar on wings like eagles. It's an amazing picture. Let's recap. I shared this too. I'll just do this real quickly. Three different kinds of flight for birds. One is flapping, right? And flapping is basically you just have to keep constantly uh, flapping your wings, doing it as much as you can to counteract the work of gravity. Flapping is effective for birds, but super tiring, right? I mean, if you have to keep doing that all the time. Hummingbirds, for instance, can do that 80 to 100 times a minute, right? I mean, they're just, they're, they're just constantly uh, just... Flapping, flapping, flapping. In fact, I said minute, I meant second, right? A second, they can just flap, 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 flap. It, it, it's effective, but tiring. Some birds can glide, right? So that after flapping for quite a while, they might have a few seconds where they can just sort of glide through the air before momentum kicks, you know, kind of they lose momentum and they have to flap again. But there's, there's, there's moments where they can do that. that uh, only a few birds, though, can, can soar. It's the third type of flying. And there's some eagles are one of these, right? Eagles. Uh, their wings are big enough and powerful enough that uh, they can soar, which takes very little effort at all. And eagles' wings are so strong, they're capable of actually catching rising currents of warm air that come up uh, out of the earth uh, where it's heated. Without moving a feather in just great majesty, an eagle can soar to great heights. They've been clock going at least 80 miles an hour, soaring without flapping a bit, just soaring on invisible columns of rising here. It's an amazing picture. And here God says, those who wait on the Lord, those times will come when you and I will be able to catch a gust of the Spirit and we can just soar. John Orberg, author, pastor, teacher, uh, talks about uh, this in the context of Jesus. And he just talks about, you know, I think, I think Jesus had moments of all of those kind of things. I think he had moments, like he said, can you imagine like, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, right when he was, when he was just so, uh, I, I mean, so filled with God that he literally his glory like beamed, like looked like lightning, and just bright white kind of stuff. Uh, and his followers are like, man, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up tents and stay forever, right? I mean, they're like, I don't, they don't know what to say. Uh, but but he said, you know, I've been on, on days like that. I, I bet Jesus was soaring. Right? He talks about, man, 
the moment when he was at Lazarus's tomb, his good friend, right? And he called him forth and said, Lazarus, come forth. He's like, when he came out and they were hanging out afterwards, had his arm around him, he said, man, I bet, I bet that was the day Jesus was soaring, right? I mean, it was, it was a great, an amazing sort of moment. I bet Jesus soared on the, that day, but he didn't always soar. There were some times when he faced pretty significant obstacles. And he says, and in those days, he goes, I don't think he sort of, I just think he kept running. When he wept over Jerusalem, when he was frustrated with his disciples because they were so slow, when he, he hit opposition from their religious leaders, the very people that should have been the first ones to follow him, but instead they were making trouble and trying to stop the movement of the kingdom every stinking step of the way. He said, on those days, he goes, I, I don't think he was sorry. I think he was running. He was doing, he kept moving forward. He kept pushing up the hill. He said, but there were some moments too. When Jesus started towards the cross, he said that I don't think he was running. He said he was a young man, but actually, uh, even in those moments when he took on the sins of the world, he was forced to carry the cross after he'd been whipped and beaten. So it was almost unrecognizable. He was forced to hear it on that day. He stumbled and fell. And it was everything he could do just to pick up the cross and just to walk and to put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes, he says, walking is all we can do. And in those times, he said, the Lord strengthens us and walking is enough. You know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I... I wonder if sometimes those are the, the times that are most glorifying to God, most pleasing to God. Because, man, when, when we're soaring, life is good, right? And you're like, man, this is great. I can do this forever. You know, every, every prayer you pray is getting answered. You're getting promoted. You're getting job offers, right? You're walking in between raindrops. I mean, everything is going. You're like, man, we're soaring. This is great. And sometimes even just running, you're like, man, we're setting, we're setting uh, records and all kinds of things are going good. We're going to keep plowing forward. Yeah, there's some obstacles, there's some dips, but we're going to keep pushing forward. But on those moments when we are waiting and waiting and waiting, and it doesn't seem like God's coming through at all, but it seems like we're being required to just pick up our cross, and we can barely just put one foot in front of another. But in those moments where we're just saying, God, I'm waiting on you. I'm trusting in you. I'm following. I am yours. All I can, I can't run. I am definitely not sore, but I'm just going to follow you today. I'm just going to keep moving forward in my job or in whatever. It's relationship or in this whatever. It doesn't seem like it's all that great today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait on you in those moments. I think God is pleased. I think God is glorified. I think God is... Is, uh, is seen in us in amazing ways. God says through Paul, right, he says, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in you. I think sometimes God's strength and God's power is seen when we can only walk. Well, friends, I don't know where you're at with God today. Maybe you feel like uh, this whole waiting on the Lord thing. You're like, thanks for that gift. I'd like to trade it in for something else. Right? I mean, I think sometimes we're we're tempted where we want to shortcut it. We want to, we want to, maybe we've just been fed up. We're like, you know what? I have been waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm sick of it. Maybe you're tempted 
even just a shortcut, just to, to quit waiting on the Lord, and I'm just going to numb myself, right? I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait. If I have to be here, I'm just going to wait. Just waiting on the Lord is too hard. I'm not seeing him come through in the timeline or in the way that I want him to come through. And we're tempted to give up. But can I just, man, if that's you today, can I just tell you, man, don't give up. Would you wait on the Lord today? Would you turn back to him? Would you start investing in that relationship? Because, man, the time is coming. When we will behold the Savior, we will see his plans. We will get to be a part of his kingdom in significant ways. Maybe we'll get to, to see what no one else sees. Or maybe we'll be strengthened. As we wait on the Lord, we'll be strengthened. Our strength will be renewed so that we can walk. We can run. In. And sometimes they might get sore. Step into what God has for us. Let's close in prayer. Father, uh, I just pray that right now, Lord, all of us in one way or another are in a season of waiting. And Lord, we might not like it. We might feel weary and like we want to give up. Maybe we've been waiting, but haven't really been waiting on you. Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, even right now, just open our ears and our eyes. I pray that we can hear you call us home. Would you forgive us for, for shortcutting stuff or for trying just to numb it or trying just to, to go our own way or do our own thing or whatever? Would you forgive us? And instead, God, would you teach us to what, what it is to wait on you? Would you teach us and, and uh, I don't know, open our ears even to hear you call us to yourself, to hear you call us into your presence. Could you open our eyes to see and know the Savior more. You would strengthen us and encourage us to keep walking. That you would renew our strength to keep walking and not growing faint. To keep running and not growing weary. And even to mount up and soar on wings like eagles. God, would you be glorified in us and through us as we wait on you? Would you do your work? We love you. We need you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.